0: So much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at ten and eleven thirty, and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at the LifeOnline.cc. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, So today is Communion Sunday. Uh, We try to end every month with communion and so we're going to go back into worship and during worship we will take communion at all of our services. Uh, But before we go into communion, I want to take the time to open up God's Word and and to also introduce our new series entitled Sharpen the Saw. Now as you've already seen uh, in the message uh, kind of transitionary video, Ecclesiastes 10.10 is our golden text for this series. Uh, They'll put it up on on the screens it just says this if the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge then he must exert more strength wisdom has the advantage of giving success and so we can all understand that analogy like if you go into a tree to cut down a bunch of trees it pays to sharpen the edge and we all know that there are times in our lives where we are very sharp mentally Um, And we know that there are times where we are very sharp physically. Have you ever just felt good physically? Uh, Like good about yourself, you had some good energy, you had some good life to you. Uh, We know when we're sharp physically, where our physical body has the health and the vitality that it needs. Uh, We know what it's like to be sharp uh, emotionally. Uh, you know, they cut you off, and you're still God. Like, you're at this place, it's like, ah, oh, I'm God. I'm I able mean, to cut through that tree with relative, uh, re- relatively ease uh, and just kind of move along. Nothing to see here. Uh, and we know it's like to be super sharp spiritually, where there's times in our lives where we're in faith, and we know we're in faith, and we're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Uh, But I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I realize I'm not very sharp right now. Uh, Sometimes physically I feel a little little dull and it's like, I don't want to get out of bed. I know it's time to get out of bed. I know I should get out of bed, Uh, but I'm still in bed. Uh, And we know it's like sometimes to get very dull, um, maybe emotionally um, and mentally. Uh, There was a couple of weeks ago where we sat down, me and my wife, for coffee time, which is kind of like our moment to connect. It was a Monday morning. And we're just talking, and she's talking, and I'm sitting there, and I'm a little silent, more more silent than than, uh, normal. And she's like, "Uh, are you okay? And I said, I'm great. I just honestly feel like I'm out of words. (laughs) Like, I gave all my words this weekend. I don't have any. Uh, Like, nothing is coming out. Uh, And we have some of those moments where, you know, mentally we feel not as strong or emotionally Uh, maybe you just go through a season where, and maybe you've seen this uh, about yourself, I I pray it's not just me, where you notice, I'm more irritable than normal. Has has that ever happened to you? Uh, uh, you, Your kids will be honest. Let's bring them in and bring, you know, the children in. Uh, Where there's just times where we know we're not as sharp as we could be. And spiritually, uh, I think we know when we're dull as well. And the issue is, is spiritually, emotionally, physically, over the past couple of years, we've had a lot to cut down. Am I right? Uh, It just seems as if hell got together and made a coordinated attack, and has attacked people physically, financially, uh, relationally, in our souls, uh, that there has been so much for our physical bodies to navigate, uh, for our mental health to navigate, for our spiritual strength to navigate. I think many believers and Christians are operating with a very dull edge mentally. Physically, financially, spiritually, and what this series is about is getting our edge back, taking time to sharpen the saw so that we can push through some of these things and see more progress with less effort. And I don't know about you, I'll take more progress with less effort operating with the sharp saw. And so today what we're going to talk about is getting sharp spiritually. Uh, And we see scripture kind of give um, the implication that you can be stronger physically at times, uh, and and spiritually at times. An example of this is found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, it's talking about Abraham in verse number 20. It said, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but notice this terminology, he grew strong in faith, giving glory unto God. Uh, And so here we see a moment in Abraham's life when he's contending for a son. God gave him a promise that uh, a son would be given unto him, a a son of promise, and he's going to name him Isaac. Uh, And in this season of Abraham's life, he was very strong in faith in believing God for that son and standing to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But where you can be strong in faith, you can also be weak in faith. And there were times in Abraham's life where he was very weak concerning the same promise, where he wasn't strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was very weak in faith, doubting God. And you see a moment in his life when he's like, you've blessed me with all of this, but where is the son that you've promised me? We said this last week that very few things try our faith like the passage of time. And when you get in faith, time will try your faith. And a lot of times, through us staying in faith, our our edge spiritually gets very dull. And we're at this season where our faith is not as strong and we begin doubting instead of believing and we begin fretting instead of rejoicing and we begin complaining, come on somebody, Uh, versus praising. And we're in this season of life where we can sense that heaviness come on us because we're getting duller spiritually. Uh, we see an example of strong faith and weak faith in the same story. And I think this is important for us to kind of look at in Scripture together. So um, in the book of Matthew, and I'm going to uh, ask you to open up your Bibles, if you brought them, to that passage of Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 26. Matthew 14 and verse number 26. Now here Jesus is walking on water. Uh, and that's amazing (laughs) in and of itself Uh, and he's walking towards his disciples and when he does in verse 26 it says this when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying take courage it is I do not be afraid And Peter said unto him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came, notice this, towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took him by the hand, took hold of him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And so here we see a moment of great faith, but in the same story, we see a moment of little faith. We see a moment where faith is very vibrant and strong, and we also see a moment where faith is very weak. And Jesus asked this question. He said, where did you doubt? And my question would be the same to you, is when did he? Uh, You see this moment of strong faith, eyes fixed on Jesus, eyes fixed on the word coming from Jesus' mouth, and while his eyes are fixed on Jesus, he is experiencing, and this is important while his eyes are fixed on Jesus in his life, with his body, in his situation, he is seeing the power of God with eyes fixed on Jesus. When did he doubt? When his focus got off of Jesus and onto the wind and the waves. So instead of seeing Jesus, what's he seeing? He's seeing the present problem, he's seeing the present trouble, he's seeing the situation that could threaten him physically, and when his eyes get off of Jesus, over onto the circumstance, immediately his faith is weakened, and he gets spiritually dull. Now how many of you are thankful that even when you're in that state, you can call upon the Lord Jesus and he'll still save you? Uh, So he may teach you a lesson, maybe correct you a smidge, uh, but he'll still save you. Uh, But I want you to notice the parallel. Eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus at the center of my viewpoint. My heart focused on his word. I'm experiencing his power. Eyes off of Jesus, onto the circumstance. The power of God is moving away from my life. The power of the problem is moving into it. And I'm beginning to sink. We have in our culture a window into every problem of the world. And we didn't used to have this. Uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, we didn't have this problem. Our problems were very centralized, like what was going on in our you know, local economy, uh, what was going on in our personal economy, our personal health. But we couldn't see what was going on in Germany. Or the Ukraine. Uh, we couldn't see the world's problems all at once. And with the introductory of the internet and screens, and all of us have them, in fact, uh, probably every person in here probably has one in your purse or wallet or maybe even your hand looking at scripture right now uh, or whatever it may be. Uh, we have this capacity Uh, To see the world's problems, and we can see what's wrong with celebrities, Uh, uh, and we can see what's wrong with our economy, and we can see what they're saying about a bear market and inflation, and we can see what people are saying about, you know, a disease, we can see what people are saying about all these things, and because we have a window into problems like never before, not just the world, but many Christians, where's their focus on? The no, focus is on the problems. And you know what we feel like when our, our focus is on the problems? We feel like we're sinking. And it's like there's not something sustaining us in the middle of this. Like we're getting overwhelmed. And especially when it seems like hell is coordinating its attack. Uh, and it's not just like one shooting, it's five in the span of a week, and if we don't see a demon behind that, like, it's not like people went crazy in multiple parts of the United States just on their own. Like, hell has a coordinated attack, Uh, and he's coordinating it with that and with disease and with all of these other things, the economy now, all to go after something uh, that is precious to God and that is lives and your faith. Um, and out of this, if we are going to combat the enemy, because the answer to the world is still the local church, if we are going to combat the enemy, we have to have believers who know that when my focus is just like the world, on all the problems of the world, I will sink along with the world. But if I can get my focus off of the situation and get it back onto Jesus, I can see the power of God in my life And I can also walk on the water and pick up others and bring them back to the boat when they need saving themselves. Uh, And so we have to be a church and we must be believers who understand the power of Jesus being our focus uh, and Jesus and his word being the things that our lives are centered upon. And communion is a wonderful, wonderful time to examine that in our own lives. Uh, It's a wonderful time to pull back and examine our hearts and to ask, is Jesus at the center of my life or do I need to make some adjustments? Is Jesus at the center of my attention and focus or do I need to make adjustments? Um, Jesus has a moment with his disciples where he gets very comfortable. The Bible says he reclined. Uh, Do any of you have a recliner that's like your seat? Uh, Like, yes, Lord. Thank God for a lazy boy. Um, You know, he's at this moment where the Bible says he's reclined and he looks at his friends and his disciples and he says, with desire, I have desire to do what we're about to do. And he takes the elements and he begins to say, this is my body and this is my blood. And he's introducing this this subject of communion and a covenant meal. And he makes a statement in Scripture that I want us to look at today uh, in the book of Luke, chapter uh, 22. Uh, Many of you are familiar with this. Even if you're not a Christian today or overly familiar with Scripture, you've probably heard this statement before. When he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, here's something important, is what is this? Jesus said, I want you to do something in remembrance of me. What is this? Um, This is not just take a, a cracker, take some juice, think of me. This is bringing your community together, pausing from a regular refrain of life, pulling away from the world, making Jesus the center of my focus, Letting community come and break bread with me. Uh, this was before the cutco serrated knife, uh, so it wasn't like cut cute little pieces of bread and give it to everyone. It was I'm taking Jesus because uh, his bread is symbolic of his broken body, and I am breaking it, and then I'm handing him to you. And your focus is now on Jesus. And I'm taking him, and then I'm handing him to you. And now your focus is on Jesus. And I'm taking him, and I'm handing him to you. And now your focus is on Jesus. Until a community has introduced Jesus back into focus. Uh, do this in remembrance of me is not me being alone with a trisket and some grape juice. Uh, this uh, in remembrance of him Is me coming together with my community and saying, you know what? Jesus needs to be the center of our lives. And Jesus needs to be the center of my attention. Uh, Can I ask you this? And I know, like, the Christianese answer, but if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, Is Jesus the center of my life? Uh, They'll put it up on the screens. Is Jesus the center of my community? And when I say community, I'm not talking about like Ridgeland or Fondren or Lakeland. I'm talking about like your own friend group. Do this, come together in community um, and, and center the community around me. Is Jesus the center of my community? Another way you could ask this, is your community of friends helping you draw closer to Jesus? Is the way they're doing life helping you draw closer to Jesus? I've said this for years, but it's the truth. I don't care how anointed the preaching is here. uh, The worship is here. I can bring in all the guest speakers that are, you know, some of the best vessels of God on the earth. Never change your life if you don't change your community. Uh, That's the truth. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Every time. Every time. And and communion is a time to ask myself, do I have friends who are like taking Jesus into their own hearts in an intimate way and then handing him to me and their lives are bringing me closer to Jesus? Do I have a family that like being in the context of my family, I'm ingesting Jesus, uh, but then also handing him to someone else? And, and having that child now also um, bring Jesus into their life. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, do I have a community that is set up in this way uh, to make Jesus the center focus of my life? Uh, am I having a true connection with Jesus personally? Uh, how alive is my connection with Jesus in this season, in this moment? Uh, Do I have a true uh, connection with Jesus collectively? Uh, I'm about to meet with all of my pastors, uh, all our campus pastors in July. We'll sit down and we'll meet. And one of the things I'm going to talk to them about um, is I feel like um, we need to create a new church and not recreate the one we had before COVID. And I, I really sense as if Uh, You know, the world needs something new. Uh, We need fresh oil. Um, And we need to refill. That's been big on my heart since last week, where we talked about how Samuel, the Lord, told him. He was in this season where he's crying, and he's broken. He's not sharp spiritually at all. And God tells him, he said, you need to go refill your horn with oil. Meaning, uh, beforehand, you poured out your oil on so much that you've been running empty for a long time, you're full of a lot, but not full of the Spirit. And you're filled with sorrow, but you're not filled with the Spirit of God. And the way that you get the bad out, is not by single-handedly like going in and trying to get all the bad out of you. It'll never work. You get filled with God's Spirit in you, God's Spirit in you will begin pushing all the bad out of you. It's like... If you got a, a, a cup filled with Coke and you come in with like some, some clean water and you just keep pouring the, the water in, it'll water down the Coke. But if you just keep pouring the clean water in, it'll only be a matter of time where there's nothing but water in the cup. And so many people spend their whole life trying to get the bad out, and it never works. And God's like, well, you just slow down and get the good in, and if you will be filled with my spirit, get Jesus in you, in him we live and move and have our being, Jesus will push the bad out. Uh, And and have this, this moment where I'm centering my life and putting Jesus so at the center of what I'm doing that I'm filled with Jesus. And I'm living life through Christ and not just around Christ. And how can we get you and a community uh, with Jesus at their focus? I told my wife this the other day. I said, for years, uh, I, I thought, and not intentionally, uh, but unintentionally. I'm like, how, how can I make it easy for people to come to Christ and come to church? And I said, I think I may have missed it slightly then maybe I was asking the wrong question like, am I making it too easy to come to church, consume the worship, consume the preaching and teaching, free childcare and coffee, and leave without ever sacrificing anything? And I wonder if I've done a lot of people a disservice. Uh, Because while Jesus has been on the peripheral of my life, It wasn't like a community bringing Jesus into focus. Uh, And the only way, too, that is to sacrifice. I've been thinking about this, this a lot, genuinely, because... Uh, what has happened in Word of Life is exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ever ask or think. Like, the campuses that we have now, multiple places, the properties that we have now, I sense God's not even done with a lot of those things. Like, it really is exceedingly abundantly above anything I ever could have imagined. It's, it's, it's been amazing. But in the middle of that, like, I, I, I've come back and I'm, I'm really looking at, like, okay, within all of these campuses... And within all these facilities, what type of believer uh, are we building? And here's what I know internally uh, and through the context of God's word is every single one of us have an altar and every one of us makes sacrifices. Now here's what I mean by that. The altar is the place where you make sacrifices. And believe it or not, everybody in this room, you got an altar. And upon that altar, you will sacrifice a lot. Uh, For some people in the room, the altar is your job. And the job is so prevalent in your life, you will offer a lot of sacrifices upon the altar of job. Uh, And so, like, I'll sacrifice a relationship with my kids because I got so much work that even when I'm with my kids, I'm not really with my kids because I'm thinking so much about the job. Uh, So upon this job, I will sacrifice uh, getting home at five. Upon this job, I will sacrifice uh, even a morning devotional because I'm checking emails at six o'clock. So upon this job, I'll sacrifice uh, devotional, I'll sacrifice connection with kids, I'll sacrifice a lot. Uh, For some of us, uh, that altar could be Netflix, it's like you got hooked. Uh, and, and out of that, your sacrifice work for some Netflix. Uh, it's like, I know I should go to bed. It's 3 a.m., but the next episode starts in five seconds. Uh, and so like, I know I won't be sharp at work tomorrow, but upon this altar, I will sacrifice my work. Uh, and so for the sake of Netflix, now we're sacrificing some of our time with these other things. And that may cause me to sacrifice a devotional because I'm too tired. And so I sleep past it, so I sacrifice that uh, for on that altar and, and even when I'm maybe even with my kids or family I'm not really with them because I'm thinking how much longer will this last I gotta find, find out if Jack Bauer stays alive like, like come back to, to this and I want to go back uh, you know. and so upon this altar uh, you begin to offer these sacrifices uh, it could be kids sports and sports is such a big deal in our culture And it's a good thing, like uh, it's one of the the strengths of America. I travel all over the world, no one has a sports system like America, and we learn leadership and overcoming adversity and teamwork and, you know, all these things and lessons we learn in the context of sports, but a man, like as a parent, and I have a 14-year-old who's like all about some sports, and, and good at it. And so out of that, like, I know what it takes of, like, these private leagues and seven-on-seven seven and, like, all these types of things. Like, I get it. Uh, but these things, like never before, have become altars. And it's like, upon this, I'll sacrifice everything. I'll sacrifice money, I'll sacrifice time, I'll sacrifice weekends, I'll sacrifice uh, a lot on the altar of sports, of watching them or getting my kids in them, of having them in them and have them get better at them. And upon this altar, we make a lot of sacrifices. And the issue is, is as a pastor, here's what I know intrinsically, is you are to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which Jesus says is your reasonable service. And the thing that my, I am offering my sacrifices on, which is me, is the altar of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you will not live until you die. But if you will die to yourself, you will be fully alive. Uh, and I know like, uh, that Jesus, when he is the thing that you are making sacrifices for, it's like, I know we have this, but we have church. And I know I want to watch this, but I know if I do, I won't have the energy for my morning devotional. So I will sacrifice this show right now so I can wake up with some energy with Jesus. Uh, And so out of this, we begin to make these sacrifices for our Lord. And when we offer these sacrifices, when Jesus is truly first, here's what you'll see is you will see when you bring Isaac to the altar and God will ask for your Isaac, the thing that is most precious to you. When you bring Isaac to the altar and you sacrifice it for Jesus, if you are meant to have it in your life, it will come off the altar with the blessing of God on it, and it will be better uh, and more effective than ever before because it's in its right place. But God will test your affection by seeing if you will make him your altar and offer everything else as a sacrifice. Um, And communion is our time to focus on that. And some things will not be Isaac. Some things are meant to die. (laughs) And they are meant to like never come back into my life. Uh, That I offered as a sacrifice and gave it to Jesus and it never came back. Um, But here's what I desire. I, I desire for us. I desire for you. Uh, to live this Jesus-focused life. I I look at the story of Mary and Martha. The Bible tells us these are two people that Jesus loved. And you see this this moment where Jesus loves these people. They love Jesus. And they're here, and uh, Martha is following the cultural norms of what would happen if you had a bunch of guests over to your house. And so the Bible says she was overly vexed about many things. I don't know if anyone else has felt that way here recently, but it's like, I got a lot on my plate, and I'm thinking about it all. I've got a lot of places I got to go, a lot of things I got to do, a lot of problems that need my attention. And this is where Martha's at. Like, I'm overly vexed about many different things. And she's following through the cultural norms of, like, everybody in my situation would be thinking about this, right? Everybody would be handling these responsibilities like this, right? Like, everybody has people and, and, and things that they have to do and kids who have sports, right? Like, this is just the way culture is, right? Like, this is what you should do. So much so, that she begins to judge someone else in the story, And it's her sister who she feels like should be following the cultural norms just like her. Your focus should be on A, B, and C. And if if your focus is not on A, B, and C, you are intrinsically wrong. You should be like me and take your focus off of Jesus right now and come over here and help me with all this stuff. She feels so opinionated about it that she actually disrupts Jesus' service. And she's like, could you tell Mary to come over here? And, you know, help me with the stuff. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, he calls her name twice. Martha, Martha, you're overly vexed and concerned about so much. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen it. And basically what he says is, and I'm not taking her attention off of it. And I think we come to this place where it's like, you know what we do? Our attention and our focus is on Jesus. I am not taking my attention and my focus off of these things. And if I've got to sacrifice some of these other things where I can have intimacy with Jesus and and a walk with Jesus, so be it. I will offer everything on the altar of my Lord and Savior. And God is like, in dying, you will truly live. That when you take up your cross daily, you find that not only did you lay your life down, but you picked it up with power. What communion is, is us devoting our lives to that. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, It's not just remembering Jesus died for me, it's remembering his love for me and me recentering my love for him. And saying that just as this body was broken for me, There may be some things that I will break for him. Uh, A break of focus from A, B, and C. A reprioritizing of life. I've been thinking about this a lot with my kids, man. It's like, great, they're, they're great at sports. Do they know Jesus? Are they reading scripture? Are they lovers of his presence? Have I emphasized grades more than I have emphasized walking with Jesus? Do they have a community that's saying, I'm taking in Jesus, here he is too. And how can I fight to get them in that community? Come on now. I can remember being a kid where my mom was like, we're going to church. And back then, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night prayer meeting, Thursday night deliverance meeting. Like there was a bunch of days. It's like, we will go. But Jesus was at the center of my world. And and I look at like my love for Christ now. And once again, I wonder if we've just made it too easy to have church around us, but not actually have church in us. That maybe everything shouldn't be convenient. Maybe there should be a little sacrifice to come to church, even if that sacrifice is to do some hair and put on some makeup. Uh, There's power in like this, even something as small as that. To sacrifice something to get here to be here there is power in this uh, to come together and and be around community you just don't know what God will speak in these moments what God will arrange but I think so many of us have been sinking for so long we don't even know what it's like to have the power of God underneath our feet But if we would get our focus and attention back on Jesus, we would see that power fill and flood our lives and allow our families to see the miraculous power of God that is available to everyone who keeps eyes fixed on Jesus. And so communion today, that's what we want to do is say, God, whatever I need to surrender today, whatever I need to put in your hands, whatever I need to give to you, This is my prayer. It's a prayer of consecration. I will offer my life as a living sacrifice. I will devote myself. Amen. Amen. Let's pray today. At all of our campuses, I'm going to pray over our elements. And during our worship, you can feel free to partake of the elements. Father, today we thank you for the broken body of Jesus and for the shed blood of our Savior. And Father, we thank you at all of our campuses right now. Uh, We receive forgiveness and mercy. With heads bowed at all of our campuses, eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus afresh and anew, just lift your hand up at all of our campuses. It could be a rededication, it could be for salvation. I see hands going up. Amazing. This is just a moment before communion where we just honor the Lord, just surrender to Him. I wait on you. Amazing. Now, everyone, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that He offered. His life as a sacrifice for me. His blood, it cleanses me from all of my sins. And His body that was broken for me restores my life. Father, I thank You that everything that is broken in my life, in my family, is put back together by Your power because of Jesus. Father, I thank you. Your grace is filling in every part of my life. I'm covered by grace. My past, it's forgiven. It's over. I renounce. It's hold on me. I am free because of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that freedom that is found in Jesus. And for release of our past and our sins. And Father, today during communion, we just make a decision to recenter our lives on you, Jesus. Maybe there's something we need to change in our day-to-day routine. Maybe there's something we need to change in our weekly routine. Maybe, I've been there, Father, many of times, there's just something that's gotten out of balance. And we need to surrender it at the altar of Jesus today. And so, Father, I thank you during communion that we receive your love, and we also give you ours, and we examine our lives, and we say, Jesus, you will be the center of everything. We love you, Lord, so much. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.